choir song. How are we doing this morning? I am excited to be with you. My name is Brent Richardson. I'm the men's pastor here, and I'm excited for a couple reasons. First one is um, we're finishing off our marriage series, and in finishing it off, we're going to be doing question and answer with Pastor Lynn and Lisa. By the way, they've been married 41 years, 41 years, so they have a lot of wisdom in this. But I have the privilege of receiving your questions to my cell phone. And so you want to be mentioning, you know, asking those questions to 2623-292-6258. And then Scottsdale Campus, I want to see your questions as well. So let us know out there. Um, and then also, we have a celebration today. Today marks our 28th year anniversary of Cornerstone. We've been around started in a school called Kyrene De La Brisas, and we have some pictures. We want to bring out Lynn and Lisa, and we're going to go down memory lane with some of these pictures and have them kind of highlight some of these pictures for us um, as we are celebrating. So here's the first one, Lynn. You want to share about this logo a little bit? Yeah, this is the original Cornerstone uh, logo. And uh, as you can see, we got our inspiration from Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're still sitting in those colored chairs, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yes, still yes. purple. Still purple. Yep. Yeah, this is us getting ready for our first service. You can tell that we were trying to be very modern and contemporary because I took my coat off. That's right. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, one of our early services uh, there at the school. Um, if you look really closely, you can see the bench things we're sitting in are actually the cafeteria tables. And you would take the top of the table and it would fold down like that and uh, then it made into a chair. The, they were horribly hard. And the good thing was nobody fell asleep during my messages. And if one person leaned, everybody had to lean back on the chairs. You know, so it's <laughs> like this rocker thing. Yeah, this here is actually opening Sunday uh, for us as the church. Lots oh, of friends. And hold on with that one. So opening Sunday, just want to let you know, um, I, I was there as well, if you didn't know that. Um, so Lim was all nervous. Here he is being, you know, the first senior pastor of Cornerstone, and he's getting all ready. And, and back then, all we had was a lapel mic, and so he had to tuck in the wire, you know, in, in his, you know, all the way, and he put the little pack in the back, and he gets out there, and he's now talking to the audience, but he didn't realize he forgot to do something. You want to share that with us, Lynn? What Not really. Not uh, really? <laughs> so as we first started the church, a lot of the early families in the church had been students in our youth ministry years ago, and they had come to help us start. And the biggest goof-off in the entire youth group uh, was a guy by the name of Mark Fiedler. And on that Sunday, Mark sat on the very front row. And as I'm up there speaking... He starts pointing in this area. And uh, I'm like, what a jerk. I, I'm already nervous enough. I'm already, you know. And he's trying to get me to look. And, and all through the whole sermon, he just kept doing that. And as he does, I'm getting madder and madder at this guy for trying to ruin my first Sunday. I ended up stepping off stage and realized as I'd put my microphone on, I had failed to zip up my pants. His fly was open. That's right. I'm convinced that's the reason Cornerstone grew so fast, but uh, yeah. All you know is that's how we still roll around. <laughs> yeah, here, really, there you really go. casual. There, there you go. go. This is us in the high school. I don't know if you know, we spent um, 
a bunch of years in Hamilton uh, High School. We actually were portable church for seven years, which means for seven yeah. years we bought this horrible old U-Haul truck and yeah. it barely ran and we would pile everything that was church in there and drive it to the high school, unload it for church, and then you had to put it all back in when church was over and do it yeah. again every single weekend for seven years. And if you look, Lynn, hold on, yeah. back up. If you look, Lynn is actually sitting in a choir loft where orchestra loft, and we had to build a stage for him, but it wasn't totally high enough, so you can see his short cuts him off right here on the shins, and every once in a while, if he wasn't careful, he'd fall off the edge, you know, yeah. so that was... That was multiple times. Yes, yeah. So this is, um, I think, a groundbreaking Sunday for this land here. We originally only bought five acres, um, and this is that Sunday I was coming out here to celebrate that we'd finally bought some land and we were yep. headed toward building a building. And then this is everybody that was Cornerstone um, at that time. What still intrigues me to this day is it's that small a group of people who gave so yep. sacrificially yep. to allow us to build what now is the student center and the children's building and they pulled it off. Uh, so that's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. This is us on grand opening Sunday uh, on those original uh, buildings. Uh, a story I like to tell sometimes is, is that it was hard to get those buildings up. City of Chandler mm -hmm. put some hurdles in the way. Yep. And I kept going to Brent saying, hey, why aren't we done? How come we're not moving in? You need to be harder on the city. You need to get this done. He's not a micromanager, though. No, no not at all. <laughs> and by the time we got to opening Sunday, just before they took this picture, they took a picture of Brent and I, and I went to put my arm around him, and he was so frustrated with me, he just like leaned away from me. Yeah, uh, thankfully we, our relationship's yeah, been yeah, repaired. Yeah, we, we hugged and made up, yeah. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. And I think this is just a flyover. I think they did this right after we finished the, extending the parking lots. Part of what's kind of cool in this picture is if you look kind of in the bottom right, the kind of more white outline mm -hmm. uh, is the depot, which we just finished building cash. And then the beginning of the foundation you can see over there is actually the children's building, which we are just now uh, getting, getting up and going on the deal. So that's kind of, that was kind of the day of hope, and right now it's kind of the day of uh, yep. fruition, yep. right? So pretty cool. Amen. That's awesome. Church. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. Just have a seat. Um, just want to warn you, this is um, PG-13, and so um, if you have young kids here, maybe they want to try our amazing children's ministry as we um, go through some of these questions. Um, and thank you for texting in those questions to me. So here's the first one um, that has come up. So I remember we, we did a personality profile test many years ago, and one of the things that they, they noticed was the, the personality that Lisa has compared to you, and they looked at you both like, how are you guys still married because of how the strong personalities are? So yeah. can you help us navigate that and how you've been able to deal with that? Lisa? you. <laughs> it's mostly your fault. So. <laughs> so I took a personality test, and it they basically said, I have no business being married to this man. It would not work. <laughs> I think it came out um, commandant or something commandant. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, we're both um, very strong personalities. 
I, because of that, growing up, having a strong personality, I wanted to marry someone with extremely strong personality, someone that I could respect, and of course, someone who loved Jesus as well. So, and I got that. Yeah. Yes. He's very strong personality, so. <laughs> you know, we're both firstborn, and uh, in our personality tests, we come up as highly, highly competitive. Lisa always says, I'm not competitive as long as I'm winning. Amen. And, uh, uh, so that, you know, I, I, I think it's important for you guys to hear that just to know, hey, we didn't just get lucky, and right. it wasn't just easy. Right. Uh, and the thing that has kept us okay is I really think two things. One is, is that Jesus has always been the center of our relationship, and so that's been the focus and the chase. Right. And then whenever we've had struggles, and we have had struggles, our heart has always been, let's fix this, because we don't want to live frustrated with each other, angry about right. something for the next 40 years of our right. life. Right. So let's work toward something we can agree on, let's work on a solution, and keep all of our accounts really short in our marriage. And it has served us super, super well. So with, with that in mind, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about finances because they say uh, statistically arguments are either over sex or over finances. So in your relationship with, with finances, and I know, you know, 38 years I've known you guys now, when you, I look back, there was a lot of times where it was like you're eating macaroni and cheese and that's all you have uh, to work with. So how did you navigate those where it didn't become really tense in the marriage? Oh, it was easy. If there's money in the bank, I spend it. <laughs> oh, that's difficult. I am a spender. I'm a generous person. I love to buy gifts for all of my girlfriends and for people and my grandkids and for everyone. So um, we've kind of navigated that. You can tell them how we do that, but yeah, it's this, worked out well. This was probably one of the longest standing places of tension in our marriage. Because she is, she, she goes out and she sees something, she goes, oh, my friend Alice would love that. And so she buys it for him. And um, she would look in the account, she'd see there's money. What she didn't realize was, we had four more bills coming. And yeah. that money wasn't gonna be there later on. And so she'd come walking in with a couple bags and she was thrilled because it was like, oh, look what I got for my friend or right, got for right. my, you know. And I'm like, what in the, how did you do that? And so again, getting back to this idea, how do we fix this, right? How do we sure. do this so we're not angry with each other all the time? And so our oh, answer, oh, So real quick, so he would come home with a little package that would cost three or $400 because <laughs> it was a gaming system. I feel like I'm a marriage counselor now, you know? I'm like, okay, let's, let's talk through this so, here. You know, they're with me. See, women, right? You're with me. You're getting it, so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here's how we got to the end of that. Because whenever we, one of us would buy, right? Right. That caused tension. Right. So we established that, hey, we've got the general fund. That's where there all of go. our money goes. There you go. We never make a decision or spend money out of the general fund yeah. that we don't talk to each other about. Right. We have to agree that's where we're spending our money. But outside of that, each, uh, every two weeks, each paycheck, we get a small allowance. There you go. And so when she gets her allowance, she can spend that on whatever she wants. Yeah. And she walks in the door and she's got bags under her arm and I go, Hey, uh, what's that? And she just goes, allowance. There you I go. go. Okay. Yep. All yep. right. You've got freedom. And yep. when I go buy PS5, it's 
allowance, yeah. allowance you know, yeah. I saved yeah. up yeah. and did it. And so that took, again, it's not everyone does the same, but how do you find sure. solutions sure. that keep you from being frustrated and angry that you're different in how you spend money Absolutely. than I am, Absolutely. right? And that became our solution. And I think in a nutshell, it is really important in the marriage to have somewhat of a budget that you all agree on. This is our budget Absolutely. and we need to stay with Absolutely. it, right? Yeah. All right, next next question. This one's a really good question. So, you know, um, you've been going through this marriage series. You've talked about filling each other's emotional tanks, right? And for a gal, um, filling a, a woman's emotional tank, um, actually, a lot of it can happen through even dating that a lot of the things that you've described on how to fill that woman's emotional tank can happen in dating. Yeah. But with a man, part of that emotional tank is sexual. And you're just dating now. And so how do you deal with that in a dating relationship when the man is wanting that same kind of reciprocal emotional connection, but he's hearing we can't have sex until we are married? Yeah. Can you do that or me? <laughs> you can start. You're give me Seems like one? the Thank hard you. ones go to Lisa and Liz like, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Thank you a lot. All right. Well, here's, here's the reality of it is, is just because I have a need or a desire doesn't mean that I'm free to go fulfill that any way I want to. Right. And so the dilemma that you have as a male uh, when you're dating is, no, you don't have the right or the privilege to fulfill, to go after that fulfillment sexually. That's, that's one of the gifts that God gives us in marriage. It's one exactly. of the sacred parts of right. marriage. And remember, Scripture over talks about this one flesh. I have no right to take the heart of a woman and bond with her physically because it's more than physical. There's something that happens in our souls when we have intimacy together. And if I do this outside of the bonds of marriage, outside of the place that God has placed it, then the reality is I'm hurting her relationship with yep. God, right? Because in order for her to show me that, I'm saying, Fulfilling my need is greater than your standing with the Lord. And I'm breaking my standing with the Lord. Yep. So the reality is sex before marriage is not an expression of love. It's an expression of lust. Right. And one of the things that I need to do as a man is lead in this way in marriage. Because, you know, it's so often that I don't know why in our culture we've put it on women. Oh, you're the one that has to say no. No, 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 no. If I'm being a man of God, I should be the one setting the standard for how far we go physically right. before marriage, right? And then what it's also doing is in that moment, it's training me that I just don't go anywhere I want to to get my lust taken care of. I don't go to the internet. I don't go find some woman to conquer right. in order for me to selfishly fulfill my lust. It's teaching me self-restraint and control and then in marriage, it becomes that desire becomes part of why I pursue my wife, right? right? One, I'll be totally honest. One of the reasons I want her to be crazy happy in marriage is because I want to be crazy happy in marriage, right? right? Exactly. So it's part of my pursuit in marriage. Right. Yeah. Right. No. no, that's really good. So, because we, we want to teach our children, you know, to stay a virgin until they're married. This is your gift to your spouse, and that yep. should be celebrated on that marriage night. There's an amazing passage in Scripture that talks about sexual sin. And when it does that, it talks about this idea that says, every other sin is outside of the body. Exactly. 
which is interesting because if you think about it, suicide would be against your body, right? Gluttony would be against your body. Using illicit drugs would be against your body. But when you get back to that Greek word that it used there, it says sexual sin is a sin against the whole person of you. Right. And in that moment, it's including your soul. There's no way for me to be intimate with somebody and not bring my soul to that moment. And when I do that outside of marriage, there's something that grows dark. There's something that's lost in that moment that was intended within marriage to be an incredible, beautiful expression. And when I give it away right. randomly, right. then that expression is changed. Oh, that's good. That's good. So I have one here that um, could be a quick one. Um, what is your love language? Do you know each other's love languages and, and know how to you know, use that love language? Lisa, I'll, I'll call on you so Lynn sure. doesn't have to. <laughs> My love language is uh, physical touch and closeness. And um, it's not all, of, I mean, I enjoy this being near him. It, it doesn't have to be just us though. And that's one of the love languages. But for me, it can be 10, 20 people around and we are together. And um, so I just enjoy being near him, with him in everything that we do. So we're partners, we do everything together. Okay. Yeah. And his are words of appreciation. Okay, got it. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, so let's go back. You at first, meeting Lisa for the first time, not interested. Um, and it was partially because of where your standards were. And I think this is a great one for um, single people in this room to hear. Um, so tell us a little bit about that and tell us what changed in that where then all of a sudden you went, no, this is the gal for me. Yeah. So you want to tell them how wild you were? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use the word wild. I didn't want to do that. Probably so, get fired over that. I'll start it. Okay. So yes, I was trying to figure out what that relationship with God looked like. I grew up, my dad had been a pastor and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing or what my limits were. And I was, I was trying to own my relationship with Jesus and it not be my families or my parents, mm -hmm. which is what happens with our kids. We wait till our kids can actually own that relationship with God. So I was figuring that out. I was going to church off and on, not on a regular basis. I was bartending. I was very good at it. So yes. Coyote ugly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they had nothing on me. Yeah. But anyways, um, <laughs> if you've seen that movie. Um, yeah. So, yes, I was a little wild. Yeah. So, the, the truth is, I was interested. I right. thought she was absolutely beautiful. I liked her personality. But as we started doing those first few dates, I started figuring out where her walk with the Lord was. There you go. And um, I, I just knew if, if, I, if I couple my life with somebody who doesn't love Jesus as much as I love Jesus, she's not gonna understand my decisions. She's, we're not gonna be able to walk side by side. We're gonna argue and fight and there'll be tension. That would be basically like the unequally yoked, right? Yeah, yeah. and I think it's interesting in the scripture because scripture, when it talks about being unequally yoked, it's really clear that it's talking about a believer being with a non-believer, yes. right? And so I would just you know, say, hey, a believer should never make that decision to be in a significant relationship, significant friendship, and especially a marriage with a non-believer because they're never gonna understand 
uh, right. what your desires are in following God. And what happens all too often, it's unfortunate, is that we meet each other maybe when the believer's not living very well. And so we go, oh, church isn't a big deal, and Jesus isn't that big a deal. We get married, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is a big deal. Yeah. And then we're dragging our unbelieving right. spouse along with us, which is horribly unfair to them. Right. They have every right to say, hey, I didn't sign on for this. Right. You were a heathen when I met you, right? So um, in Scripture, it just says, hey, we're going to avoid all that pain, all that you know, in, in our marriage. I think it goes a step deeper. I don't think as a Christian you want to be unequally yoked with another Christian who doesn't love Jesus as much as you love Jesus. Because if you get a half-hearted Christian and you're trying to follow Jesus with all your heart, that's gonna cause tension. That's gonna cause stress. Hey, we need to tithe. What do you mean we need to tithe? That's crazy yeah, to tithe. Hey, we should go on a mission. No, we, what are you talking? We should serve in the, right? And so you, you end up with that constant tension. So part of my heart was, I wanted to find somebody who loved Jesus as deeply as I loved Jesus so that we could walk life together with that as our priority. And what happened in the case with Lisa, we stopped dating for a year. I actually moved away. And then one of my best friends was getting married. He called me up and said, will you come be part of my wedding? And I said, well, sure. And then he said, well, you should check out Lisa while you're here. And I said, no, ship's already sailed, done. <laughs> and he said, no, Lynn, you should see what God has done in her life in the last year. And I got there and, and Lisa's life was radically changed. She was vibrant in her face, she was chasing Jesus with all her heart, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, I went, oh, there's potential here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, good. So four days later, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> I don't know why I waited so long, but. Uh... <laughs> on, my, on my list of five most important things to have during that year, I'd made a list, a pastor had encouraged me to do that. The last thing was spontaneous, so I got that. Yeah. But see, it's good that both of you um, had an actual, whether it was written down or not, you had a, a mental list of here's what I'm looking for in a spouse. And ultimately at the top should be they have to love Jesus first and foremost. Yep. And not just attend church. Yeah. It's they have to love Jesus and I need to see that in their lives. And that's where at first you're like, I'm not seeing that with Lisa right now. Then when you came back, you're like, oh, I can see it now. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, and again, I think one of the mistakes we make is we say, hey, if somebody attends church, well, then they must love. No. Right. There's a lot of people attending church who are just figuring Jesus out. Right. right. Or they do that once in a while because their family says, go to church. Look for somebody who's chasing Jesus yes. and then join them in that chase. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so here's the next one. So you have one child, um, biologically one child, um, Josh. Um, in raising Josh, and I've been around you for many years in raising Josh, so your parenting, you had to, there was a lot of parenting decisions that had to go into this, and I know as, as, as people out there that are raising children too, there's a lot of arguments and tension when it comes to how we raise our children, and even in blended marriages, how we raise those children. So yeah. um, give us some insight on how you guys navigated that with Josh. Well, I think... <clears throat> I think that's always can be an issue because as individuals, even a male, female, husband, wife, sometimes we see things a little differently. I think the main, the most important thing is that anytime we did any discipline or had conversations, we needed to be united first. 
And so we had to decide where that compromise was going to be so that our child, our son would see us united. Mm -hmm. And I think that far most is the most important part of it. No, I, that, I, I couldn't say, you know, it's dead on. You're always gonna have somebody who is probably more strict, right, more rural oriented, and then you're gonna probably have somebody who's a little more free and grace oriented, right? right. And if you aren't in constant communication about, hey, are, are we gonna make lying a big deal or not, right? Are we gonna make, um, if, if we said don't walk in the street and they get in the street, is that a big deal or not? Right. Um, then you're gonna have parenting, people, parents, parenting two different styles is confusing for the kid. And it is far, 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 far more important that you as parents agree and then respond to discipline things the same way because you've agreed to it. And why that's hard is because we think, well, my way is right, your way is wrong. Right. And I'm just telling you, it's better to agree and maybe not be as strict or maybe not be as grace-filled, but our children are hearing a consistent message. Okay. And then if where we've agreed to be needs to be adjusted, then we get back together and we go, hey, you know what? It's not working for this kid. Maybe we need to be a little more grace-filled. Or maybe this kid needs better boundaries. We're gonna move that way. But the consistency is more important right. than that where you land is the perfect place to land. The big thing is we're consistent and we've agreed and that child can't play mom and dad against each other. Right, yeah. right. No, that's good, that's good. So um, I have another question here on, um, <laughs> on in-laws. Mm. Um, yeah, in-laws mm. and holidays. We, we've not had any issues with in-laws, right? No, right. nobody has. So how, how, do you, um, how do you deal with in-laws when, let's say there's tension. Let's, let's say if, uh, you know, Lisa, if your, your um, mom really didn't like Lynn, and you married him. I'm not saying that's true, but I'm just using that as an example of how do you navigate those waters with, with couples that might have in-laws that are really uh, difficult? Well, maybe you should answer that. I have an amazing <laughs> mother-in-law, so I always tell people she's Jesus in a dress. She's amazing, so, yeah. You know, Scripture says, for this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother... And by the way, it's the same for the woman. You're leaving your father and your mother to make a new family. And one of the mistakes I think we make is, is that somehow we leave our highest priority and our highest loyalty back to our family of origin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what scripture says, no, as we come together, this becomes the family of loyalty. Yep. This becomes the highest priority. Which means, especially if, if, you're in, if, if your parents don't like your spouse, then I think you've gotta be super careful not to go feed them bad information and you your frustration with the spouse. Yep. And it's interesting in scripture because scripture talks about this idea that when I have a hurt or when something's been done to me, God gives me grace yep. to be able to forgive, to be able to navigate. But if I share that information with somebody who actually wasn't the person hurt, right. they're not promised the grace. So I may be okay with my wife afterwards, right? We may have solved it, but they're still resentful for how she treated me or how he treated me because they don't receive the grace for that because exactly. it's not their offense, but I gave it to them. I, I gave them my offense to carry and it's only gonna produce resentment. Now, the converse is if your parents love your spouse, 
well, then it may be a safe place to go because they may give you great advice, right? right? right. And they may be able to speak about what's best in your spouse. So that's why there isn't, I don't think, one answer. You've got to use wisdom that says, hey, they already don't like him. Am I going to feed that because that's going to get dark? Exactly. Or if they like him more than they like you, <laughs> then, yeah, they may be great counselors. Right. They're going to say, hey, right. don't make such a big deal about it. And look at all the incredible things he does, right? So there's got to be wisdom as to where I, we often want to share our upsetness and, and frustration with people we know that will agree with us. Exactly. Rather than choosing people who have wisdom for us. Right. And if all they're hearing is the negative of oh. the spouse, what do you think they're going they're going to conclude, yeah. well, you've got a horrible spouse over yeah. there. Yeah, and you need to get you. out of that. And yeah. You've done enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, talk to me about date night. You guys go on date nights. What are your favorite date nights to do? Just being together. Yeah. But you tell me about date nights, yet. Yeah, we made, well, my mom and dad grew up, whenever I was growing up, my parents did date nights every Friday night. And I absolutely hated it because I was the oldest of four and I was the official babysitter. So I was determined that I would never, ever do that. But as I got older and then we got married, the first thing I said was, oh, we have to go on a date every single week because that's what my parents did. But the cool thing about that is that we were married, we were a family before we even had a child in our home. And so... We started as a family, and then when Josh is gone, we're a family. And what kept that was, that was our date night. So every single week, we made a commitment that on Thursday nights, um, we would do date nights. And then about three, four years ago, he got a little airplane. A little and putt-putt airplane. Yep. A little yep. putt-putt airplane, and I was so glad he's a rural follower. He makes him a really good pilot. <laughs> so um, anyway, so every week now... Or every other week, we fly someplace for breakfast on Friday or Saturday mornings, and I love it. But we make, that's a commitment about us being together and that time to spend together. And, so. you know, the thing, <clears throat> there, were, there were seasons we didn't have money. Right. And so literally, by the time we paid the babysitter, we didn't have money for a date. Exactly. So the date became, hey, let's go walk in the park and talk. Yeah. You know, let's go. It was just the idea that we were going to have us time. Mm -hmm. And so that even if we were busy or what was going on, Lisa always knew, hey, come Thursday, my husband's going to re-engage with me. Come Thursday, we get to talk about something that's been bothering me, right? And so a lot of our date nights, especially in the early years, were, hey, let's go take a walk while mm -hmm. someone else is watching Josh. Mm -hmm. So who would initiate the date? Would it, would it be like sometimes Lisa's reminding you or vice versa or how, how did that? I know, I know for a long time that like, I think it was Thursdays was this is, Always you know, Thursdays. the Holy Grail. This is don't touch this. You know, we're doing mm -hmm. our date night. But, but if you went out on a date, who would decide what that date was? Would you go back and forth or it just was whoever came up with a great idea? It was back and forth. Yeah. I think we like, because we're the same personalities, we like the same type of thing, yeah. okay. which is good. So, But the thing I would say, too, when you talked about the financial piece, there were times when we had other families, and we would rotate with them because they didn't have money either. And so we would babysit their kids. They would babysit ours so that each other could do date nights. And I think that's another way that you can do that if you're trying to figure out what do I do with my kids. Find another couple, 
that want to do the same thing and you can make that happen. Or you can just give them a lot of NyQuil and they'll sleep through date night while you, yeah. <laughs> That's his answer to parenting. So yeah. you, one through five is NyQuil. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in a relationship, trust is really important. Um, with that trust, um, when it comes to cell phones or computers, um, how much should we be an open book to our spouse when it comes to those kind of things? Oh, I think we should be totally open. He's my spouse. There is, there's nothing that I should ever hide from him. He's, he can see my cell phone. I should never have anything on there that would be inappropriate for my husband. We're one for him not to see. So I can see, look at his iPad anytime phone, it doesn't matter. You know, the only time that I would never not say anything or tell him something would be if I was in a counseling with someone. Of course, I'm not going to share that. Or if there was something at work that was told and we were said, you know, we were asked not to repeat that to anyone else, then I wouldn't say it. But other than that, we're an open book and yeah. we say everything mm -hmm. to each other. We're one. She uses my iPad more than I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's Good. available. Yeah. And by the way, my code is zero 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 zero. For everything. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently he doesn't care. He might so. need to change it after this conversation now. I don't know. Oh, they can look at my iPad. Yeah, but then it. he wouldn't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> so back to the strong personalities. So um, you guys have argued. How do you deal with arguments in a, in a fair manner so that they don't get out of control? Well, that took a little bit of time because I grew up, I grew up in a family. My mom yelled, my grandmother yelled, my aunts yelled. And so I thought that when you want to show um, you had any type of conflict, you were supposed to raise your voice and scream and yell. That's how you took care of everything. So I was prepared. I was ready to go. So that first year of marriage, every time we had some type of conflict, I would raise my voice and yell. And then he would laugh at me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. You're laughing at me. He would sit there like this, start smiling when I'm so frustrated. And that would, of course... And then if anything was in my hand, it would go flying out. I don't know how that happened. In my direction. In, yeah, in my direction. Yeah. I was irritated. It took about a year, year and a half. And then I realized, oh my gosh, he is just smiling at me. So then I turned it. I got to where I never raised my voice. I got quiet. And then all of a sudden he had to lean in, which was actually, ladies, that worked so well. So... Yeah, I think, you know, in that first year and a half, and we didn't, we, yeah. we, and part of my smiling was just like, why are you so mad about macaroni and cheese? I don't get it, you know? Um, but, See, that wasn't the point. Yeah, that, that was, yeah. So, but what we did is we sat down and said, hey, we don't want to do this, right? We don't right. want to treat each other this yeah. way. We don't want to call each other names. Right. We don't want to say things to win an argument that later on we regret. And so we just kind of said, look, when, whenever something is there, we need to go into, we're going to solve it mode. 
what are we going to do so that we don't do this the next 40 years of our life? Right. What does that look like? Whether that was finances or just, what do we do to get to solutions about this issue? And I'll tell you, there's, there's been moments when we both have been frustrated with each other and it takes a little bit of time, right? And, and I'm not ready to talk because right now I'm pretty frustrated. Right. She's not ready to talk because right now there'd be a lot of energy, right, in the talk. And what we both have learned is, is that when we're ready, we go back in the, in the room and we, and we say, hey, I, I don't want us to be frustrated. I don't want us to be angry right now. Are we ready to talk about it? Can we talk about this and fix it, okay. right? Yeah. And uh, it's, sometimes it's her that comes to me and says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want us to be angry. Can we talk? Sometimes it's me, right? And then sometimes uh, we'll say to each other, I'm not ready yet. I, I'm, I'm still go. processing, yeah. I need a little more time. But it's always headed toward fixing. Yeah. You know, I think what happens so often in marriage, we end up with this issue's not fixed, this issue's not fixed, this issue's not fixed. We've been doing this for 20 years and we get to our limit and then we go, I'm out. This is a frustrating relationship. But if you fix it quick, yeah. then all of a sudden you're, you're like, hey, this is a great relationship. Mm -hmm. Everything that is fixed, right. Right? right? And we actually like each other. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's so critical that you go into fixing mode and that that tension, that fight, whatever that is, becomes like the red light on the dash in your car that says, right. hey, something needs to be fixed. Okay, then let's go fix the alternator. Mm -hmm. Let's go fix the fuel. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I would, I would add to that, that there was never a chalkboard. We never did marks against one another. And I think that's very important to yeah. where you problem solve and you forgive. Yeah. I mean, You don't we're hold on to it and then bring it up like a year later, well, you did this in never, the back. Right. Never. Exactly. You should never, ever do that. You problem solve and you forgive. And divorce was never in something that we would even consider because we became married, one, and to live together forever. So we're 41 right. years, praise God, go. and we're there looking forward to yep. 65, 70, so, right? Yeah. We are yeah. out of time. There's a lot more questions on here, so if you want, you could even come back next service because there'll be way different questions. But let's thank Lynn and Lisa for their, thank you. their wisdom in marriage. Um, Lynn, would you like to pray for us? Sure, I'd love to pray for yep. us. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you for this incredible gift of marriage. And may we steward it well. May we take care of our spouse. May we solve problems before they become issues uh, within our marriage. And may we cherish and love each other in the way that you intended marriage to be. And God, that the world would look at the marriages of Cornerstone and be amazed and attracted to this faith that we have because it changes how we live with one another. God, may our kids be blessed because their parents love each other. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give Lynn. We did it. We finished the marriage series. Thank you so much for being here week after week and leaning into the conversations. If you don't mind, I'd love to take a moment to pray for all of our marriages. God, thank you so much for all the truths that we've heard over the past few weeks. And I just pray that everything that we've heard 
and learned would just take root in our hearts and that the fruit would begin to grow and spring forth in our lives and in our marriages, Lord, and you would just make our marriage is stronger and more powerful than ever before, and that we would walk away from this series changed and just thriving and better than we were when we started. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace and this opportunity to learn and grow with you. In your holy name we pray, amen. And if there's something specific that you would love prayer for today, please text prayer to 21999. We'd love to come alongside you and pray with you. Hope you have a great day, a great week, and we'll see you next time.